worship you. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. As we're standing, we go to the word of the Lord tonight, Joshua 1 and 9, starting the continuing in where we started uh, a few weeks ago. Joshua 1 and 9, have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals. For within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go into the possessed land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Amen. Today is part two of our series, uh, Crossing Over. Amen. And you may be seated tonight. Amen. I saw that uh, there are, the devotions are disappearing out there, which is a good thing. Um, if you need any more, let me know. I've already placed many orders for these, and uh, adults, kids, and youth. Um, and so as long as people are using them, I'll be placing more orders. And so uh, how many are enjoying those, using those? I know our kids, we're using them with our kids. Uh, and, man, it's great to uh, reemphasize and reiterate the, the Bible story all week long so that they just doesn't hop in in their mind and out. But if you talk about it all week, it stays in there a lot longer. And uh, we know we want everyone to hide the word of God in our hearts, right? We may not sin against the Lord. Amen. And so we've been uh, embarking on this new journey with Joshua into the promised land. And uh, I too believe that we are in a similar place that Joshua and Israel was, uh, that we are on the precipice of something great. Anyone else believe that? We're on a precipice of something great. God's going to do something great in us. Amen. And so we're here on one side gathering together, ready to press on, ready to move forward in what God is doing, ready to cross over the water, proverbial water, into what God is waiting for us and what he has promised for us on the other side. And we just don't want to be like Israel and arrive at a place full of unbelief and anxiety. Uh, that's what they did the first time around. They arrived to the starting line, but they weren't ready to go. They weren't ready to run. Uh, but this time in our text, we're reading, they're coming back around. Joshua is leading a new generation, uh, a new group of people who were ready to leave the wilderness behind, to leave the wandering behind, leave the dryness behind, and move forward into the will of God. And the promised land was most certainly flowing with milk and honey as Israel, they themselves, they witnessed it uh, some 40 years earlier. It, isn't it uh, amazing uh, how fresh honey, fresh milk, and fresh grapes uh, from the promised land uh, was not enough to convert to convince the Israelites that God's promises will come to pass. It wasn't enough for some reason. How often do uh, men and women take a step of faith and leave from the comforts of their surroundings and, uh, and they engage, they, they start out with only just a mere promise. They only hear 
of the promise of God, and just hearing the promise of God uh, makes them move into action and, and take a step of faith and to step out into an unknown world. Abram uh, did such a thing. Israel's forefather, the father of faith, the, the man who really started all of this nation, uh, he stepped out and he left all that he had known just by a mere promise by, hey, I will make you great and I will uh, make thy name great and I will bless you and you just got to leave your, your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. That's all Abram knew about God. That's all he really heard as far as we can tell and that was enough. Uh, to cause Abram to leave and say, okay, I'm going to step out in faith. What little word of God that I heard, I'm going to grab a hold of that, and I'm going to start living by that, and I'm going to leave by my father's house behind, and I'm going to go step out. He didn't see anything. He didn't receive any kind of down payment in the Ur of Chaldees. Hey, here, uh, Abram, here's, you know, here's... Uh, a, a bag of gold for my down payment of my promise. No, Abram didn't get any of that. He didn't hold anything in his hands. All he had uh, was the word of God, and he walked by faith because of that. And yet here, Israel got to see physical items from the promised land. Uh, uh, just uh, They got to touch it and to hold it. Just a little glimpse of, of what was waiting for them on the other side uh, of the Jordan. And, and for hundreds and hundreds of years, Israel had been hearing about this. They've been hearing about this. They heard the same thing that Abram did. They knew the story of Abraham. Uh, he was their forefather. They knew it by heart. And uh, uh, yet Abram stepped out by faith uh, and Israel held the promise in their very own hands, and they could not even muster up enough faith to say, okay, let's go over. And that is why God had them walk in circles for 40 years until that entire generation had died off because uh, what, what more can we do for you? What more can I do for you, Israel? I've, I've brought you out by miracles out of Egypt. You saw everything with your own eyes. You even got to uh, cross over into the Jordan, bring back fruit and evidence of the promised land. It is exactly what God had said it would be. Uh, but yet now you say, no, we cannot go over. What more can God do for you? Not only that, but uh, they, they insulted God with that. After all that God had done for them, after bringing them so far and providing for them and, and God coming through time and time again, up until that point of Israel, uh, uh, up until that point, Israel holding the promise in their very hands and by them saying, no, we cannot go up into the promised land, it wasn't necessarily uh, just their lack of faith that God was upset with, it was uh, what they confessed, that that God cannot defeat the Canaanites, that all the people are too strong for us. And, and while that was the words of Israel, they said the people are too strong for us. What they were really saying was the people are too strong for God. Because God had done everything for them, fought for them, brought them out, to destroyed the most powerful superpower nation on the earth. God himself wiped out uh, is, uh, Egypt. And so when they say the people are too strong for us, what they were saying was that God can't beat these people. 
That was their, that was their confession. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. They'll, those godless, idolatrous sinners are greater than our God. That's what they were saying. That's what they were saying. Our God can't beat these people. And God said, well, that's it. I've had enough of them. I wanted to wipe them out a long time ago. Uh, and so uh, I, I can work with unbelief, but for my own people to insult me like that, I'm not going to have any of that. And so that's why there had to be a dying out. This new generation will look at uh, the 40-year-old grapes and, and say, God is for us. God is, God's going to bring us through that. Imagine that, the different perspective. And, and that is what God is looking for in his people, for people, his people just to believe that uh, if, if somebody just to believe my word, believe my promise and step out in faith like Abram and say, I don't need to hold on to anything yet. I can trust in the word of God because I know if God has said it, it is going to be, it is going to come to pass because his word does not return void. And what more should we want from God in our lives if we just have the word of God and his promise? That should be enough for us. This current generation didn't need to hold fresh grapes in their hands. They just believed the word of God like Abraham. And, and so it doesn't matter if it's a new thing or an old thing. God just needs people to believe. He just needs faith to work with. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And it doesn't matter if it's a fresh word, a fresh promise from God, or if it's a 40-year-old unfulfilled promise. Our response should still be the same, is I believe, Lord. Thou knowest, God. I believe in you, Lord. I know it's going to happen one way or another, uh, with me or without me. The word of God will come to pass. Man, as I mentioned on Sunday, when uh, God came to Ezekiel and asked him, can these skeletons live? Can these bones live? And he says, thou knowest. Okay, God, you know. And that's all God needs is somebody to say, okay, even if it's just like that, even you're not really even sure, you just say, you know, God, I'm trusting in you. Uh, a 40-year-old raisin is the same as a fresh grape in the eyes of God because God is not bound by time. His promises and his word are eternal, and they're not bound by time. And so we see the effects of time, and God doesn't. All God sees is, is there is a, a live promise that is waiting to be fulfilled. He just needs somebody to pick that up and say, I have faith that God can do it. I have faith that God's going to bring us through and bring us over into the land and, and fulfill the promises that he has uh, given. So there are so many things that uh, we are living by faith for, many we have not yet seen come to pass. We just have a word, we just have a, a promise, we just have uh, uh, an unction from God and, and, and we ask God for a sign, God just give me a down payment on, on what you've told me or give me a cluster of grapes and that will get me through. Well it better get you through. If you're asking for a sign, because his word should be good enough, shouldn't it? It had better get you through. If God does that for us, we had better move on it. You had better do something. I had better do something if we're asking for a sign, because uh, Israel got a sign. They got to hold the grapes in their hands, and they said, no, we can't go. And so we had better not get that cluster of grapes and then backslide. 
That's, that's, not, that's not a good combination. And so Joshua is here with people who are looking at 40-year-old grapes or raisins, we can say probably. Uh, and uh, they look at them and say, we're ready to go. We're ready to move forward in God. But as we had mentioned, it's more than just walking in the promised land. We had mentioned that uh, the Bible says every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, God will give you. And remember what tread means, it means really to march with uh, uh, implying that you're ready to fight for that. And so every town, every city, every sidewalk, every building that Israel fights for, God is going to give it to them. And I believe that promise is still active for us today, not for our personal selfish desires, but for his kingdom, for his will, that every place that you and I go, you and I tread upon, that God will give to us. Every place that we're willing to fight for, uh, God will give it to us, and it, it just comes back to us. Are, are, are we walking by it, or are we marching by it? Are we willing to, uh, are we walking by it or are we treading by it? Are we willing to fight for it or are we just kind of being an observer? Uh, uh, are we just uh, another citizen of Lee County or are we a soldier of the Most High God when we pass by? Uh, because if we engage and fight in that spiritual battle, I believe that God will give us the victory over that. And so are we walking or are we marching? Are we treading or are we just kind of casually taking a walk? They're about the same pace, the same speed, but uh, completely different effects if you're marching or you're walking. And so Joshua and his generation, they were marching. They were moving forward. They were ready to uh, grab a hold of the promises and see them come to pass. Uh, we see this in our text, verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And so he says, uh, Prepare yourselves, we're going over. Not even really giving them an opportunity to think about it or back out. He just says, Okay, guys, we're going over. And we're not going to sit around and talk about it. I was here 40 years ago when we talked about it, and we never went over. So this time around, we're just huddle, let's just huddle together. In three days, we're going over. Okay, let's go break. Uh, and so before they go over, uh, as, a, as a nation, what happens? Joshua sends spies into the land. Same procedure that they did 40 years ago. But what's the difference this time? This time, he only sends two spies. Joshua only sent two spies instead of 12, and I'm sure those two spies were handpicked. Joshua wasn't going to be living through that again. Joshua wasn't picking the guys who were afraid of the dark. He was picking the guys who, who were ready to go over and to conquer and, and to fight, fight by themselves. Uh, he chose men uh, strong and full of courage uh, to go and to spy out the land. Joshua 2 and 1, Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men uh, to spy secretly saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and they came into the harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. I kind of find it ironic <clears throat> that 40 years earlier it was Joshua and Caleb 
were the two spies that were in the land ready to invade. They said, we are well able, let's go up, let's do it. But yet 40 years later, he's now sending two spies in. He's in charge uh, to view the, sending the spies in to view the same land that Joshua himself saw. He saw that same land. He, knew, he knows what's in there. He was there. That's why he said, go and spy in the land, even in Jericho. Joshua saw Jericho. He went in the land, same place 40 years earlier. They were in the land. Joshua saw Jericho with his own eyes. Probably not much has changed. It's still a massively walled city, and it, it was and probably still is. It's probably even more fortified, who knows. But Joshua knew what was there. He didn't need to go. He was ready 40 years earlier. In verse 2, it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. The king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house. For they become to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, said, and said thus, There came men unto me, uh, but I wist not whence there I was not wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting the gate when it was dark that the men went out. Whither the men went, I what not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had, uh, had brought them up on the roof of the house and hid them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order uh, upon the roof. So what, what just happened here? Rahab... Rahab just lied. I'm going to say it. Rahab lied. No, no. She did a no, no. She lied for God. She lied for God. She lied to save Joshua's spies. Well, she's a harlot. She's just got other problems. That's what the Bible says. She's got bigger problems. So a lie is not, we're, we're, we'll overlook the lie, uh, Rahab. Will overlook the lie. But notice that she lied directly to the king's face. I don't know if it's his face, but she lied directly to the king. Because the king himself sent a message and says, where are the men? She says, I don't know. I don't know what Jericho's laws were, but I would imagine that if you lied to the king and you got caught, that was the last lie you ever told. So it, it, it's more, I guess maybe in the, the sense it's more than just telling a lie. She's actually putting her life on the line. She's putting her life on the line for the people of God. Not even her people. These are strangers. And, and what did Jesus say? He said, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And so Rahab didn't technically lose her life, but she certainly could have, real quick. And obviously, her faith and her kindness was rewarded. Not just uh, when Israel conquered Jericho and her, her and her family were spared, uh, that, was, that was good enough. But what else uh, was significant about Rahab? 
she gets mentioned in Scripture. James 2.25, likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. We know that passage, faith without works is dead. Well, the verse right before that talks about Rahab and her faith. It's amazing. But not just there. She's also mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the faith, heroes of faith. Heroes of faith. Rahab the harlot. 11.31, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Amazing. See how, how just this one act, now she's written about in, all, in, in, in Scripture. But it, it doesn't end there. Where else does Rahab appear in, in Scripture? Anyone ever hear of a name, a guy named Boaz? What did Boaz do? Boaz married Ruth. Ruth had a son whose name was Obed. Obed had a son whose name was Jesse. Jesse had a son whose name was King David. Who was Boaz's mother? Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot from Jericho became King David's great-grandmother. Matthew 1 and 5, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, Obed begat Jesse, Jesse begat David the king. David's great-grandma, Rahab the harlot. Who else came from the line of Rahab? Jesus Christ. He, he's from the lineage of David, and if David's from Rahab, Jesus came all the way from, through Rahab as well. Talk about unbelievable. Talk about unbelievable. Who would have thought that there that night a harlot hides these spies, she puts her life on the line and ends up marrying an Israelite and gives birth to kings and even birth to the king of kings. It doesn't matter where you come from or what life you live. If you give your life over to Jesus Christ, he can do great things with you. He can take you to places you've never imagined. He can do things for you. All we need to do is to step out in faith and put their faith and trust in God. And God will honor that faith and bless your sacrifice for his kingdom. That was with uh, uh, Rahab the harlot back then. But what about today? Who is out there in the city of Fort Myers in Lee County that God is going to use for greatness of his kingdom? Who's out there just waiting to be reached and ha have a contact with the people of God that come to them and talk about all God needs is his people to go out into the land and start talking about how great our God is and, and be a light in this dark world. And, and you never know the impact that you will make just by talking to somebody and planting a seed of faith in their life. And who knows what God will do with them and will God will use them for the kingdom of God. There's so much unlimited potential out there, who are we to say no, God can't use them, or no, I'm not going to talk to them, or God can use anybody, and God can use a, a, a harlot to make his uh, kingdom grow. And so who are we to withhold the goodness of God? 
God has done so much for us, and we, we're here by, by his hand and by his grace. And so uh, we just need to uh, step out in faith and begin to, to let other people know of what God has done for us and what he can do in them and through them. Amen? Amen. Verse 7, Joshua 2, 7. And the men pursued after the way uh, to Jordan unto the fords. As soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came unto them upon the roof. Before the spies were getting ready to leave, uh, Rahab goes to them. Uh, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. My goodness. We just stop right there. You can preach there the rest of the night. This harlot has more faith than all of Israel did 40 years ago. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land, her land, her city. I know the Lord has already given you, he's going to conquer this place. Your God's given you this land. She has more faith than all of Israel did, just this one woman. No wonder why she's in Scripture. But listen to this, and that your terror is fallen upon us. She's not just expressing her belief now because she said, I know the Lord is giving you this land. Now she says, your terror is fallen upon us. Uh, who is us? Well, I would say us is all the uh, Jerichoans or however you want to say those people. The Jericho people. So now she's speaking on behalf of her, her, the whole city. The whole city of Jericho, your terror is falling upon us. Uh, and so everyone in Jericho is struck with fear. But not just them, she goes on to say, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. As far as Rahab knows, everyone in the land is terrorized is shaking in fear by the Israelites. That's quite the statement. Verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. Stop the tape here. What? When did those things happen? Did they just happen? No. They happened 40 years ago. God dried up the Red Sea 40 years ago. The first time they came through, when, uh, when Joshua and Caleb were the spies in the land, uh, Jericho had heard about what happened 40 years ago. Verse 11, as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Jericho has been afraid for 40 years. They've been afraid for 40 years while Israel can't get it together. All the inhabitants of the land have been afraid for 40 years. Not an ounce of courage left in any man. And had Israel only known this 40 years ago, all Israel would have to do was to cross over the Jordan River and say, boo. And everyone would have dropped their weapons. Everyone in Jericho would have surrendered 
every inhabitant of the land would be shaking and trembling in fear at the mere presence of the people of God because this is what Rahab is confessing to them. As soon as we heard those things that your God did, our hearts melted and we just, we're scared to death. Please don't come this way. Please don't come by Jericho because we're next. We're on the list. I know God will do whatever uh, he did for you. He'll do it uh, today. And so, but what happened instead? Instead of Jericho confessing their fears and saying that we feel like grasshoppers in the sight of the Israelites. Oh God, don't let them come this way. But instead, Israel, the people of God said, no, we are the grasshoppers in the sight of them. Had Israel only known that Jericho was shaking in fear when they got there. And all the inhabitants of the land were deathly afraid, had Israel only known. Would that have changed anything? Well, what if I told you that 40 years earlier, Israel did know? That they did know that that was the case. What if they did know that every enemy would be afraid of them? What if they knew that the very thing that Rahab confessed, what if they knew that? Why do they, why do they know that? Because God told them that that was what's going to happen. Exodus 23, behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Be aware of him, obey his voice, provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will, I will be an enemy unto thine enemies, and an adversary unto thy adversaries. And for mine angels shall go before, before thee. And remember, getting ahead of myself, but Joshua, I think, encountered this angel. Remember, he said, are you for us or, for, or against us? And what did he say? I'm the captain of the Lord's host. That's when, when they were going in. And so, for mine angels shall go before you and bring thee into the Amorites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And he shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren, nor in the land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before you, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. Israel knew. Israel knew. God told them ahead of time, hey, they're going to be scared to death of you. And so what does that mean when they go into the land and come back and say, we can't go? You understand why God was so mad at them. It's exactly what Rahab said 40 years earlier. And they they known. They should have known. The musicians, if you would come. This confession in Scripture and Rahab's confession are two witnesses against Israel's unbelief 40 years earlier. God gave them the direct words, and later we see Rahab's exact words saying the exact same, same thing. Some, some uh, uh, ungodly harlot 
is replaying scripture that Israel was given. She believed it, they didn't. Talk about uh, a mark against Israel. Can you see why God said that the entire generation must die in the wilderness? I'm not taking any of these people in. Wow, to have, have God say all of that and be, be prepared to do all of that. And Israel says, we can't go, we're too afraid. Wow, God, God help us not to be like Israel. Not to believe uh, to, in what God can do for us. Uh, we, we, we sing songs about it and, and we speak the words, uh, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And, and God is fighting for us and pushing back the darkness. Yeah, we, we have all the words that Israel had. They're, they were in their mouth, but they were never in their heart. Uh, you can know everything you can about God. That doesn't mean that you're going to believe it. You can know everything there is about the Word of God and about God Himself, but that doesn't mean that doesn't make you a believer. It doesn't mean you're going to step out in faith and, and and walk across the Jordan and say, "Let's go do it, Lord." You can grow up in church your whole life and hear sermon after sermon. That doesn't mean you're going to believe. That doesn't mean that you're going to live a holy and righteous life, does it? God, God doesn't need his people to try to figure everything out. All he needs us to do is to live by faith and obey his word. That's all he needs us to do. And to be strong and be very courageous. And then God will do the rest. We, we're, we're so figured, uh, focused on figuring out the rest, we forget about living by faith and living by the word of God. We're trying to do God's part. And God says, no, just do your part and I'll do the rest. I'll send my spirit a fear ahead of you, and I'll drive them all out. You just need to believe. You just need to get together and say, let's do it, Lord. I'll, I'll take a step of faith. I believe that we can do it, Lord. And that's all God needs us is to believe in him and in his power and what God can do for us. We shouldn't be worried about what the world thinks of us. We need to realize that we are the children of the most high God. The world fears us. They don't know. They, they may not realize it, but they fear something. Uh, we we shouldn't be afraid of the world because if we are submitted to God, the world will be afraid of us. God will send His angel before you, and the terror will fall upon them. Do do we believe that or not? We we're the people of God. Amen. And God goes before us and, and makes a way. But God, uh, there's no sense in God going before us if, if we're not coming following behind him. That's what God was doing uh, 40 years earlier. Hey, I'm going to start plowing the field. You guys need to come behind and let's go. But God starts stepping out and starts going and nobody's, nobody's behind him. And he's like, where's everyone at? And so I don't know if you've ever witnessed uh God in your life protecting you from something that you know that it was only by his hand that you got out of it. Um, I, I've experienced it in my life. Uh, one month after Ferguson, St. Louis, years ago, remember, people remember that. Uh, fires and riots and everything. Um, I had just arrived at the airport one month after all that, going to general conference meetings. And it was like 10 o'clock at night, and I was getting on the metro, 
and headed to downtown because that was the cheapest way to go. Like $3 pass. I'm like, that's the way I'm going. Instead of, you know, $20 for a taxi, 3 bucks. that's where I'm headed. So 10 o'clock at night on the metro, headed downtown St. Louis. And so a stop or two later after I got on, a group of guys get on and kind of watch them take their seats. And uh, granted, there's 10 o'clock at night. Who, who rides the metro at 10 o'clock at night? For $3, I do. And so there's plenty of seats. And so why, why are they splitting up and why are they starting to sit here, 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 and behind me? Uh, and so um, here I'm thinking, I'm just praying in my mind, this is, Lord, this is not how I imagined I'm going out. Not unless a chariot of fire is coming to swoop me off this metro, but uh, Lord, I hope it's on its way. This isn't looking good for me. And so, but as it would turn out, the stop before I was getting off, just these guys just got up and went off. And why, I don't know, it wasn't anything I'd done, I can tell you that. Maybe because I was a child of God and God was there. Maybe God sent an angel there to protect me, to keep me, to come sit with me. If we're living for God, God will put the fear in the world. God will put the fear in the enemies of God. He just needs us to be strong and to be courageous and to live for him and to serve him because God is with us and God is on our side. Why? Because we are the children of the Most High God and God will protect and God will keep his kids. We just need to believe and live by his word and to submit to it. Amen? You stand with me tonight. So that was the last time I ever rode the metro anywhere. My life is worth more than $3, I found out. Joshua 2.23, so the men returned, descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun, told him all the things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. He picked the right, he picked the right spies. He, they came back with a good report, and Joshua was like, I knew it. I've been waiting for 40 years to go back in, and here we go. It, but Rahab the harlot, the hero of the story, Rahab the harlot for all of her life until this point, all she has known are the gods of Jericho, whatever they, whoever they were. And they worshiped them in whatever manner they did that. So Rahab has had no clue about Jehovah. You don't know who that is. She doesn't know about Mount Sinai. No clue about that. Rahab doesn't know about the Ten Commandments. Clearly she broke one. Or broke many of them. She had no idea what these Ten Commandments are. She doesn't know about the tabernacle plan. She doesn't know about the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant and the manna and Aaron's rod that budded. She doesn't know any of these things. She has no clue who Abraham or Isaac or Jacob is. Doesn't know any of those. Has no idea about Adam and Eve. She doesn't even know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. She doesn't know any of that. 
All she knows are these two things. The God of Israel dried up the Red Sea. And that Israel destroyed the two Amorite kings. That's all she knows. That's it. Uh, all she knows, she hadn't witnessed those things. That was just a rumor going around. And she believed the rumor enough to say this. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. It's not by our abilities. It's not by our giftings. It's not by our might. It's not by our power. But it's all by his spirit, saith the Lord. God just needs us to be courageous. He just needs us to be strong. He just needs us to believe in the word of God. And then God will take care of the rest. Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's all God needs us to do is to stand, to be strong, put on the armor of God, and just believe in God, and that God will do the rest. I believe God's got great things in store for this church, but God needs us to, to bind together in faith and believe, just to believe, God, whatever it is, lead us, Lord. Help me to take a step of faith. And we'll see the greatness of God come to pass. Amen. You believe that? Let's worship the Lord together tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your the promises. The enemy has been defeated. Hallelujah, Jesus. Death couldn't hold you oh, down. We're going to we're victory. We're going to lift our voice in victory. Hallelujah, we're Jesus. We're going to make your praises we are the loud. People of God. The enemy has been defeated. Oh, and death couldn't and hold death you couldn't down. Hold you we're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. Oh, the enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. Sunday. 
unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Oh, can we shout unto the Lord today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's shout with the voice of triumph. We are victorious. God will go before us. God will fight for us. We just need to stand and believe that God can do it. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you the praise and the glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, when we find ourselves in situations that we know that we can't do anything about it, that's when God comes in because that's when we know he gets the glory. If we think we can get out of it, then we're going to give ourselves the glory. But when we know we can't do anything and it's all God, God gets the glory. That's when he likes to show up. And I want to give him glory in every situation, right? Let him do his will. I just stand there and believe and let God do his way. Amen. As a child of God, amen, we have him on our side. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. Let's go out and be strong for the Lord.